Welcome back into the We Shall Not Sleep podcast. Thank you so much for joining us once again this week. Wow, what a privilege to be back with you in, in such a cool way with another interview. This week, we got something special for you. Pastor Tracy Collier has been an amazing, amazing mentor in my life. We've known each other for well over a decade now. Uh, I went to I went to youth group with her her daughter, and in fact, we're the same age, share the same birthday. So shout out to you, Stephanie. And and truly, uh, Pastor Tracy has been an important figure in my life because she was a co-heir, is how I would describe it, with this young adult group that I led for five years while I was at uh, Jackson Ash Church. And Pastor Tracy uh, is continuing to do great things uh, at Jackson Ash Church. And, and one of the ways that you will find uh, in this episode today is just how uh, how much of a heart she has for ministry and the fact that she has been divinely appointed. Uh, she's a group's pastor um, at Jackson Ash Church for a reason, and I believe you will find out more uh, about that and why she is in that wonderful position. So thank you uh, for those who continue to support us and who continue to leave us feedback. Um, so connect with us anywhere that you see podcasts or listen to podcasts, rather, I guess. Well, you can see them too, right? And or including, I guess, our YouTube channel. I, I should probably throw that out there. If you ever have a question or a topic request, feel free to email us at wsnspodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much, everybody. Without further ado, here is Pastor Tracy Collier. Pastor Tracy, it is yes. amazing to see you this evening. Thank you so much for, for doing this podcast. I'm so excited. As I was telling you with you just a few seconds ago, is what I tell listeners our pre-show meeting, which lasts all of, of a minute, that right. uh, I have wanted to interview you. You were on the short list for that for such a long time. And being able to interview both you and James in particular, because uh, you have had such a tremendous impact in my life, I just want to share that with everyone else who listens to this podcast. So thank you for making yourself available. Ah, it's been my pleasure. I'm very excited too. I, um, I'm, I'm happy that it's worked out. I think we're going to have a good time. I think so too. Well, I, I have the privilege of being able to ask people this question because I think it's very important for others to hear of the journey. And I, I think anytime we can get an opportunity to, to tell our Christ journey and how we come to Christ, how we came to be saved is so important because it's no one's is the same. We have similar themes, um, similar upbringings, but uh, how Christ reaches the heart and not just the head, but actually changes the heart is so important. So if you could, there's the first question is I, I love, this is my favorite question to ask is how does Tracy Callier uh, end up being a Christian? What is your story to Christ like? Um, so I'm hoping that this is the most unique story and you'll never have another story like this. Probably um, it's probably true. So, so I didn't grow up in church but uh, my family was um, very moral and upright um, in their, their thoughts and beliefs. And I knew all the Christmas stories or the Christmas songs about Jesus. And I knew a bunch of Bible stories. So it wasn't as though that was kept from me. We, we just didn't go to church. Um, but when uh, my husband and I had been married about a year, we were invited to a um, multi-level marketing business um, and we got into business with these people and the business was Amway. We were super excited about it. We met a lot of really cool people through that. And, um, one of the things they would do is have these out of town functions where they'd have these national known speakers, both building that business and just these, um, entertainers you would know, like, you know, they were, they were pretty famous at the time. And this was in the late eighties and early nineties. So they were, they were famous at that time. And just encouraging. And um, we, we saw John Maxwell a few times and Zig Ziglar and just these really cool, interesting motivational speakers and leadership people. But one of the things that would happen at these out of town weekends is a Sunday morning service. And we'd seen a couple of them and they did this altar call and it was fine, you know, for them. Um, but when uh, we skipped one, and the people we were in business with, a friend of mine said, hey, that's part of the weekend. You need to be there. And we went the next the next one we went to happened to be in Denver. 
24 hours by car. And I know this because we drove overnight, like straight through with everybody in the car. We just did it to get there in time and to not take off too much time from work. Um, but we were there for the Sunday morning service and I was sitting there. So I've been for a year, I've been around these people who talk about God a lot and they go to church and, um, it was all nice and everything, but God was speaking to me that whole year. And when the altar call came, I remember thinking I have chest pain. I can't wait another three months for the next time we go to this weekend function to, to respond. I have to go now. And my husband, Scott was sitting next to me and I turned to him and said, um, I have to go. And at the same moment, he said something to me that I didn't know. I, I had no idea what he said. And I got up and I went to the front, not even having an idea of what was going to happen after that. Just that I was, um, God was calling me and I had to go. And I got to the front and I looked to my right and there was my husband. And he was having chest pains as well. This like almost painful uh, physical ache to to answer that call. And I looked to my other side and my parents were on the other side. Um, so it wasn't just, um, I know a lot of, of people who one of the spouse comes to the Lord and then they wait for the other spouse. And I have always been so grateful and thankful to God that, that Scott was being called in the same moments and responded in the same way so that we have we started our, our walk with Christ in the same moment, literally. Um, and I think that's incredibly unusual, um, through Amway of all things. <laughs> so it's, it's a pretty unique story. Um, yeah. uh, but it's, you know, like you said, it is, it's cool to find out how people, um, came. and it wasn't that Christ wasn't speaking to me the whole time, you know, my whole sure. life with my parents influence and, um, hearing Bible stories and different things like that, but just never having that, um, more week in and week out, uh, development of my faith that never, you know, didn't happen when I was younger. So now I'm asking you to date yourself here, but what year would that have been? You said you were married already. So um, I think that timeline? was, that was, um, it was like 1991. It was, it was, um, the end of June in 1991. So actually does that mean oh. Yes, but it was that that we're coming up on our our um, anniversary of being Christ followers. Thirtieth, that's pretty 30th cool. Anniversary, that is awesome. Yeah, so, I mean, and that would have been before you had Stephanie, um, right? And all that. Yep. So that was before yep. you you had kids. So like that, and that has to be really special. Considering I would imagine that that journey in a way adds to what would come later, which is your family and, and maybe seeing having kids yeah. like in a whole different way. Right. And it's, you know, that's another thing is the, um, we, we have friends who, um, you know, at the time who either did or didn't have kids, but watched us and, and watched the journey we were on. And I, when, again, we watched them and I'm also forever grateful that we were saved before we had kids it allowed a different kind of foundation for our family. And it doesn't mean that just because we'd accepted Christ, we got it right all the time. And, you know, cause that's for sure not the case, but it just gave us a, such a different perspective. And, um, and again, that foundation for our marriage, um, you know, early, it was an, it was early on in our marriage and it was pretty rocky in the beginning and it didn't, it didn't clear up overnight, but I'm still married to him and, uh, we're going to celebrate, uh, I guess that would be 30, 32 years this August. Um, right. so yeah, so that's, and I, I, it was the people we hung out with the books that we re read and the things that we listened to, um, that made the difference. And as soon as we accepted Christ, our, our reading habits changed and what we listened to changed that we didn't change who we were hanging out with really. And, and we were already getting really good relationship and leadership materials in our hands all the time. Um, but it made more sense to us at that point too. Hmm. 
Yeah, just another, just adding to it, adding another layer. Uh, that, that's beautiful. And by, by the way, um, the fact that you know impacts marriage and that, that's a unique uh, factor because you're able to see the 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 contrast before and after. And right. I, I don't know, you know, when we talk about raising children, of course, I don't have any children, but I look at my parents, for example, and look at some of the members of my church who celebrated milestone anniversaries here recently. It, it's, I think, it's such a wonderful testimony, if not the best testimony, uh, when a husband and wife can celebrate marriage, because that's supposed to represent you know, what Christ did for the church. And when you can you know, train up a child and raise a child you know, in in the church, but also have a healthy marriage that's, that was, you know, brought together or re-consecrated to God. I think that's probably right. one of the best testimonies uh, because that's walking out the, the, the walk that's being able to be with someone, sacrifice, love someone, even through the ugly times. Right. <laughs> and right. That, well, yeah. So cool. And it is, it makes a huge difference because um, I, I have, periodically over my life thought what a great person I am and how, you know, I'm probably not the one who's at fault um, in any given situation. And the reality is when I started having Christ's perspective, um, that matters a lot less about whether or not I'm right or wrong. What matters is what does Jesus want? Um, Andy Stanley says, what would love have me do? And I think, well, that's the answer to the question. Um, what would love have me do in this situation? Probably keep my mouth shut most of the time uh, <laughs> or, or speak love into the situation or, um, or not, want, not have my own needs come first. And, um, and it's not, again, don't, haven't gotten it right every time, but I definitely look at my husband differently. And, you know, that, that he is a child of Christ and that God loves him more than I do. And, um, I need to take my cues from God because God knows what he's doing. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and we've, you know, and that's a mutual thing with Scott and I, and I think that's, we're very, very blessed. We're very fortunate to have the marriage that we do. Um, well, I mean, that just demonstrates you humility, which, uh, turns out is what's also needed in ministry, uh, which that's a horrible segue to my, my next question. Something is, <laughs> no, how no, did, how, great. so how, how does that was super <laughs> smooth? You did great. <laughs> <laughs> so smooth that I had to, I had to really point it out. Um, so, <laughs> so you, so you're a Christian, you, you, your marriage it is, is redefined. You have kids. And then at some point you're crazy enough to accept the call and go into ministry and I'm wondering, is there what connective tissue do you find from that moment that you accepted that call, that in re, um, basically alleviating that burden, that heavy chest that you had um, when you gave your life to Christ? To holy cow, now I'm actually going into full time ministry. What how what is that journey like? And this might probably my second favorite question because oh my gosh, what well, what you, a journey yeah, that must be. It's like our you know it's like our thumbprints every mine is unique to me. My story is unique to me and it's got the swirls and the whirls and all kinds of things that are, um, what God did in and through me. So the, the pre story is, um, I accepted Christ on a Sunday and on Monday I was thinking, wow, I love him so much. And he gave up everything for me. How do I serve him? literally on, on, we were coming home and I was thinking, well, now I want to live my whole life for him. I don't even know what that means. And by the next, it was within a week or so I had found a place to volunteer in ministry. Um, so that draw, um, for me has always been there. Um, my family is a volunteering family. We, my parents find a project or a group that needs help or something, and they they dive deep. And um, so, growing up, that was pretty normal for that for us to do something as a family for years. You know, we would we would have a thing that we would do, and we would do that thing for years in support of an organization. So the idea of volunteering was no big switch, but I was very excited about finding actual ministry places to volunteer and did that, um, through a couple of, through a, um, Christian helpline that was local for a while and through the local Christian radio station. And then I worked there, um, for a bit 
but at, and at that time too, I became the secretary of our church. So we'd gotten involved in a church. All of our friends went to church in another town in Lansing, but we lived in Jackson. And all along, I wanted to be involved. And it was difficult to be so far away and then to be going back to Lansing for every activity or everything that we wanted to be involved in. And they ended up having a daughter church here in town right about the time we were saying, um, you know, is there a church we could be at here in our, in our town in Jackson? Um, got involved at that church, very plugged in right away. Um, mm -hmm. And then um, our pastor, uh, after a year, he died and his mm -hmm. wife had been the secretary. Uh, and I, unbeknownst to me, the board and the, his wife said, we think Tracy would make a great church secretary. And I oh, was wow. just, I was blown away. Um, I had already been, I was on part of the counting team. So I helped count the offering and I was doing a lot of, um, I think I was running children's ministry. It was a very tiny church, but I was doing a lot of different things. And, um, and I'd been a secretary before we had kids. So I, I had been working full-time. I had a lot of office mm -hmm. skills and I was happy to take this part-time position. And I just couldn't believe they pay me to do this job because it was such a great job and I loved it. And, um, uh, I did that job for, um, part-time for many years. It, we worked out where, um, for us, it was important to um, to not use daycare if we could if we could avoid it. And so I either worked part time or not at all while our kids were little. And then once they got into school, I worked a little bit more. And then or Scott would have a second shift or whatever. We just kind of made that work. Mm -hmm. So having a part time position at the church was beneficial. Um, after about five years and having the um, I had people speak into my life and say, you may want to pray about pastoral ministry or you could make a good care pastor or they would bring these different things, words I'd never really heard before as far as um, I knew there was a lead pastor, but I didn't really know about other pastoral roles in ministry. And I knew, um, I, I never had any inkling that God was calling me to lead a church. Um, certainly to be a part of uh, a church, you know, an active part, but never to lead. So I never really considered that. Um, but I had, uh, I'd started to feel that call and think he really is calling me to pastoral ministry. I don't know what that looks like. I started taking classes and at the time, and this will sound, um, uh, I was thinking about how candid am I, should I be with this? Because, uh, I don't want to give the wrong impression, um, but the person who was my boss at the time, so that made him the pastor, I went to him and I said, I believe I'm, I might be called to pastoral ministry. And his response was very shocking. Now, you have to remember, this is a human being. This isn't what God said. This is what a human being said. And a human being who ultimately lost his job uh, for some other things, but he was not suited for the role he was in at that time. But he said, um, if I have anything to say about it, you'll never be a pastor. And I went, excuse me? <laughs> uh, um, why, yeah. why would you say that? And because I felt like I had really made myself vulnerable um, before God and man, because I, I, that was, my heart was turning towards that role. And he said, because I was more uh, beneficial to him and the church as his secretary than I ever would be as a pastor. That was his take on the matter. Um, so that was halfway through my 10-year stint as a church secretary. And uh, when God, God had been clear for a while near the end of that time that we should, that we were done there, that we had, we had concluded our ministry time there. And we left and came to the church that we're at now. Um, and I was, on, I, became, I was on staff here 18 months after we got here, but in a non-pastoral role. Um, and when that call came around again, it was, it was a, um, uh, you know, God calls, but the body affirms. And that was happening again, the same kind of thing. I was already on staff at a church, uh, started out part-time, then went to full-time. And 
um, it was, it was happening the same way. And I thought, I trust this ministry, this church that I'm at. I trust my boss. I trust the leaders in this church. Um, I trust God. I think this is what I'm called to do. So it was a lot of, um, good counsel, a whole lot of prayer. And to, to risk that again, I think was probably my greatest point of faith to remember that that was a, a human being who said something that wasn't from God. Um, it didn't change my desire to serve God. It, I think the, the, a lot of that, when we saw the time when we, we left one church and went to another, I know a lot of times people will leave a church because they feel God calling. They, they know something's not right. They get wounded. You know, there's many reasons that people can leave. And unfortunately they don't find another church for us. That was paramount. We knew um, we weren't done with God. It was, our time at that ministry was done and it was very clear to us, thankfully, very obvious to us. Um, and so we never, we didn't miss a Sunday. We went from the old place to the new place, um, and realized that the new place was the place we were staying. So, um, it was definitely a, you know, it was kind of looking back, it could have been a roller coaster, but honestly, through it all, God was equipping, um, me and leading me and comforting me in that point of thinking, did I get it wrong? Hmm. Um, did I hear him wrong? And, um, and I never thought that I had, I thought that that was what he, I mean, I recognized there was a person um, and that person was not in charge of my destiny. And I just needed to do whatever God was calling me to do. And, um, and here we are. <laughs> well, what a what a demonstration of faith and perseverance, especially. I mean, it takes a it takes a very a very mature person to realize that you know separating that it is a man, it wasn't it wasn't God because you see that. And I think that's going to be a point of conversation here um, later on. Uh, but what what is the timeline there? What because you know honestly, I don't have the best memory in the world. But what's the timeline of you accepting that call to full time ministry as as we understand it now? What year was that have been? Um, I would say that that was, um, so six years ago, okay. seven, maybe seven years ago now. Okay. That, that, that matches, I, think that's about I know right. it was in this past, well, decade. Um, and, and mm -hmm. the reason, and one of the reasons that I have so much wanted to be, wanted to have you on, on this particular show is because of the, the day-to-day, -day, uh, working with you. Uh, when I led immersion at Jackson Ass Church, uh, the young adult group that right. was really just kind of dumped in my lap. I don't really know how else to say it. Um, and then I'm like, okay, so I have no idea what I'm doing. And you were right there from the very beginning to help guide. And, you know, basically, you know, you gave me a framework. You were able, you were like basically the bumpers and bowling. Um, you know, you, we raised up the bumpers and you said, okay, Michael, we're all, we're headed towards the pins. This is your guide way. And I'm going to help keep you in, in this, in this path. And you did such a good job. You never overreached. You mm -hmm. never, you never, you know, even when I was doing something, I was a little brash, you know, at 22, 23 years of age, thinking I know stuff. <laughs> you didn't, you didn't slap me across the face verbally. You said, okay, now let's think about this for a second. And did, have you considered this? It was never a put point of shame. It was never of, Hey, your motive is wrong. Like I've seen in other leaders, you're always so, so calm. Very, very calm. It's the one of the words I would use to describe your leadership is that you're never you're you're never flailing, and and that's something that it was so important mm. to me, and that's it's something I don't see in a whole lot of people is the calmness. I see that you definitely share that with James, and I think it's the reason why I like you too so much. But you know, <laughs> the, the thing is, I'm I'm curious where that where that comes from because. When, when I was, I had the privilege of being a part of a Nazarene uh, conference uh, out East a few years ago that you guys sent me to, uh, one of the things that we affirmed at that meeting is that the Nazarene church at that time was not doing enough to encourage and, you know, basically offer support for the female pastors and in a, in a church that, you know, Protestantism, that's pretty much split on whether or not women are qualified to serve in the ministry. Nazarene church is one of those churches that absolutely affirms that calling. And so my, my question 
to you is for a lot of men out there who think that women are so emotional, which is, oh my gosh, like, yeah, um, if you don't think men are emotional, you just have to look at the stock market, right? Um, that I'm just, I'm just curious, like, what, what is, what has been your rock? How have you stayed so calm and how have you met the adversity of being a woman in a, in a position that historically speaking has, is pretty much been reserved for men? Um, that now see, I think that's a really good question and it's a, it has so many facets. I think, um, there are times that it's not necessarily about the role in church, um, as much as it's when I've, when I have met adversity, it's been outside of the church for oh. the most part. I mean, aside from that one person, um, and it's knowing, um, knowing and understanding authority understanding that um, people are ignorant of things. Um, it doesn't mean that they're dumb. It just means they don't know. Um, understanding that, that people who have an opinion about me or my role or women in ministry in general um, probably have uh, misinformation. You know, they probably don't have all the facts. Uh, and I like to give people the benefit of the doubt because I don't know. I don't know what they've been through or what they know or, or whatever. Um, I, I also know this personality. I know that there is um, facets of my personality that um, I think I am, uh, I think obtuse is the word. Uh, I often will say that if someone was trying to offend me, I usually wouldn't notice. Um, I, I just miss it. I, if people have been, have tried to be offensive, most of the time it just goes over my head. So, and that's probably God. I mean, that's probably wiring, but that's, that's God has given me that gift or whatever. Um, I also like to have a good time. I like to laugh. And I, um, I like peace in my life. And that's not to say that I won't address conflict because I understand that addressing conflict and having resolution means peace. Um, sometimes you have to go through things to get to peace, but peace is very important. And so all of those things, whether they're personality driven or things I've learned, I think those are all factors um, that have prevented me from feeling either oppressed or facing much of adversity um, as far as being a female pastor. Uh, most of the time, I don't actually, when I'm in a situation, in a ministry situation or not, I don't usually introduce myself as a pastor. Um, I usually, other people will, but I don't, um, I don't usually lead with that because um, I think you get farther with people sometimes if they don't know that's what I do and they may tell me more things at first or maybe they're less guarded or they might swear more. I mean, who knows? Yeah. But um, what ends up happening is there's, there's less to be um, worried about less preconceived notions, you know um, less hangups. And eventually if it comes up, I might say, uh, I work at a church, but I don't tell people what I do necessarily. Um, and I, I never really realized it until lately. So I'm about to be ordained another in another month. Um, okay. I've actually have been qualified. Yay. I've been qualified for a year, but you know, things being what they are that, that, um, service didn't happen. That ceremony did not happen. So I've been qualified to be ordained for a year. And that sounds like something to people, even people who aren't in a church. I've been district licensed up till that point. And I've kind of realized over this last year that I, I don't share um, my credentials with people. And I've also, I think I learned a long, long time ago, I don't need to promote myself. God will do all the promoting necessary. There's oh no need to put God. myself up front. Oh, what a, what a thing <laughs> the so, rest of us can really learn from, by the way. Well, but, but it's really true. You know, we, we, we long for people to know who we are. We long to be known. We, we long for people to recognize our gifts and our skills and our, our talents and all those things. Um, 
because it makes us feel good and and it does glorify God and that's great um but I do think we we say oh I'd be great at that because here's all these things I did or I would um I really want this because I you know this that and the other thing or whatever I've learned this or I've had this experience or whatever and I think a lot of times we treat life like a job interview you know we're constantly throwing out our credentials or our experience or whatever to fit in, to be part of the group, to make friends with people, to get that job or whatever. And somewhere along the way, fairly early on um, in my Christian walks, probably those smart leaders we were hanging around with and doing business with who said, you don't have to promote yourself. You let God promote you and he'll do a much better job than you can ever do. And I tested it. Um, and I think that's another thing with all of this, uh, God doesn't say test me very often in the Bible, but he did say it once. And I figured, well, what, what else can I do? Um, I can read it in scripture. I can, um, you know, I can kind of sort out what scripture says about a particular thing, but I can try it. And if it works and it seems like it's scriptural, then I'm probably on the right track. And I tried it once and I didn't promote myself when I was in the midst of a situation where I very easily could have said, here are all my credentials. Here's what I know. Here's why I'm the, the smartest person in the room. And when I didn't do that once, someone else came into the room and elevated my position so much higher than I could have on my own. And it didn't look like a jerk doing it. So... <laughs> It was a double bonus, yeah. but, but honestly, that's, that, that happened early on. And, um, and so all of that to say, I don't tend to lead with my credentials and God has used that for me to do ministry, um, in funerals and weddings and, um, and other avenues, places in the community, being in the hospital, things like that, where, they, they don't assume I'm a pastor and I actually am able to maybe progress further down the road with somebody because of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, oh goodness. That's very, it's very convicting because the idea of self-promotion, because sometimes I think it's, well, why not? Definitely a product of our culture and, and just a little bit different of a spin to what Jesus uses as a metaphor when you know, it's like when you go to a banquet, do not take the, the seat, the place of seat of honor for you might be put to shame when master comes out and says, no, that's not where you belong. You belong in the back and says, go take the lowliest place that you may be invited up. And it's, yeah, what are you doing? Is it, is it about you or is it about honoring God? And if you're out there promoting yourself, it's all about yourself. And you know, who cares what God's will is? Like, of course, he gave me these things. Of course, I'm, of course, I'm supposed to take it. Um, and, oh. What a what an amazing lesson! Thank you for sharing that. It's not even really something I've ever really thought about, um, <laughs> actually. So, and I tell you, I've only ever heard you preach once, and I I've really longed for it again. And I don't know if you've because I don't know how many times you've preached at Jackson as, but I was at least at that particular weekend I was there, um, and I don't I just can't remember what the occasion was. Um, I don't know if it was a Wednesday night. I may have been a Wednesday night that you that you preached, but I'm like, oh my gosh, what a gift. That was awesome. And I, I'm just so glad. And the, the fact you just said you're, you're this ordination, like, oh, how tremendous, because I, your voice is so important, uh, Pastor Tracy, in this. And I'm just thinking that not that you need our help, not that, not that you need the help of other people, but I, in our, one of the, this list of questions I asked, and of course, I'm almost kicking myself for even putting it on the list, but I, I asked, I said, how can, how can us men, how could us men understand the role of like maybe a female pastor more, or for those men who just have a hard time looking at some of the verses that, that Paul, you know, lists out for why women shouldn't serve, uh, or are not, you know, fit for the ministry. And then you look at the Nazarene church, you know, how they interpret it, but then they see you, they see your gifts and talents. They don't deny the fact that you have those, but they're struggling. What do you have? I mean, even for those who might be listening from a different persuasion, different denomination, do you have uh, any resources to, to point them in the right direction? Any words of, of wisdom to share for those people who are just like, you know, I, I, women in ministry, like I, 
I've only ever seen them in like the elementary school setting at maybe Christian schools or in the daycare or in the nursery, which we have no problem allowing women to do those jobs. It's just when it comes to the, to the higher, more glamorous ones, you know, on the platform and such, it's no, 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 no men. That's where men belong. But yet I don't, (laughs) I don't see too, I don't see too many, like, um, you know, about like children's pastors who are men, you know, Uh, I don't see that because it just, I think the connotation is loyal. That's a job for women. And, you know, that's the dirty stuff. That's not glamorous. And, um, coming from a tradition that didn't say that, but it was more kind of implied. I'm just thinking that, yeah, it's still a point of pride. Um, you talk about self-promotion, but I'm just wondering, do we have anything to add for those people? Well, so I would say tradition, you talked about coming from a tradition. And I think that's a, that's a key word because the roles you're talking about are traditional roles. The woman being the caregiver and the nurturer, which isn't wrong. No. Um, I was just having a conversation with somebody today where I believe that um, not, you know, I can paint with a broad brush and say um, men tend to be wired to provide and protect and women tend to be now that doesn't mean that there aren't elements for for um for men and women that cross those traditional rules or or boundaries or whatever you want to say but that's been an easy inroad or an easier inroad for the for a woman to be a children's pastor that makes sense or director of children's ministry or whatever they would be called Um, and i honestly um I don't know that I'll ever preach a lot. So you probably heard, I did a, I shared a message with someone um, at one point, probably at a midweek service. I've also done several funerals or been a part of several. Um, You may have also seen me speak um, from uh, the women's conference. I've done a, I've done a couple of messages there and they've been recorded. So who knows, who knows which one you picked up on, but um, I think um, I was thinking about, again, our, those traditional roles. Um, God has gifted me very specifically for the work that I do. Um, He has not gifted me to lead a church. He has gifted me with some messages, but not um, that leadership role. There are women who I believe he has gifted in that role. Um, one of the things I heard early on when I was a, a fairly new Christian and I wondered about women in ministry and what did that look like in leadership roles, um, someone who was very affirming to women being in ministry brought up, and I was actually a pastor I was listening to, um, was uh, and I don't even know if he's still alive anymore. And he led a very large church in China, but he said the Asian culture understands the Bible, especially the old Testament, but really all of the Bible, because so much of the culture um, had not changed with traditional roles and things like that. And there's a passage in the Bible that says women shouldn't speak in church. And Uh, I've heard that one brought up and people cling to that as a, um, well, here's an example of you shouldn't speak. And it's really, the word is talk. And um, based on some things that I've read and what this particular pastor said in um, in the culture at that time, the men would be on one side of the church and the women would be on the other side of the church. And he kind of, the pastor who was talking was kind of making fun because it, it was, he was making it very relatable. He said, okay, men, you know, when the, the pastor says something and you know that the Holy Spirit is calling you out. Well, what Paul was saying was your wife doesn't have to say across the aisle, uh, he's talking to you. <laughs> so he really, he really believed that it was, Women, you don't need to affirm what the leader is saying. The Holy Spirit will convict your husband. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So it was a cultural thing. And it was really to a particular church addressing things that were going on in the church at that time. So um, we, you know, we interpret things and we interpret them in the light of our own culture. And um, so when you read women shouldn't speak in church, we think of speaking 
as not talking. We think of that as a public speaking because that's that's how we talk. So um, there are verses that um, they are not part of the creed, the things that we stand on as Christians and that most Christians agree on. And this is probably one of those things mm. um, that's going to be um, up for debate for a lot of people. Uh, I look at women being in ministry and pastoral roles similar to worship styles, to music styles in church. Um, I, I enjoy a good hymn and I enjoy a good choir but the church that I worship in has contemporary worship and I, I, God speaks to me through that. It isn't just about enjoying the music that, that music opens my heart and prepares me for the message. And it's the way that God speaks to me through music is that music style. While I do enjoy other um, types of music and other types of church music, God speaks to me in the contemporary worship chorus and the, the contemporary worship music. Um, maybe it's because that's what I was listening to before I was saved was contemporary music. I don't know, but I listen to it almost constantly. Um, that's what's playing in my car. That's what's playing in my home. That's what's playing in my office. And it speaks to me, but in the worship setting during a worship service, that music is what draws me in. That's not true for everyone. Um, there are people who need an organ and a choir, and that is what, how God speaks to them. And that is how they are drawn into a place where they are open to hearing the message that God has given to whoever their leader is. We are all wired very differently. And I believe that every flavor of Christianity, um, allows us all to worship in those ways. And I don't mean worship like just music, but our whole worship service. Um, we're, we all experience that in a different way, I think. You know, not vastly different because there's not that many different styles, but I think that women in ministry can be very similar. Um, not every person is geared to, um, not that they, they should. <laughs> Ideally, you should have respect for a woman and a woman in authority or a woman in ministry. Um, but not everybody's ready for that. So maybe maybe they need to go to a church where they can learn to be ready for that. Maybe being um, exposed to more women leaders and, and things, maybe they've had a bad experience with a woman, a female boss or uh, another female authority figure. Uh, maybe somebody who's really um, adverse to that, maybe they need to speak to God about it and, and see if there's some kind of um, unresolved hurt in their own lives that has caused either anger or um, something that keeps them from being accepting to that idea. It's possible, but I'm not saying that that's the reason why I'm just saying, you know, when something comes up in my life, I recognize um, if it's if it is uh, something that causes me to be upset, to be angry, to grieve, I need to, I need to pay attention to that. I don't need I shouldn't be ignoring it. I should be turning towards that and and looking for the healing that goes with that. And mm -hmm. so, um, you know, that I've I've suggested a lot of different avenues there. Um, I think women being in ministry is great. I would say that um, I might not ever be at a church where where a woman is the lead pastor, but there aren't that many. So I don't know if that you know I don't right. know if God has that in, in my plan um, uh, for me for the future. I don't anticipate any changes um, for me anytime soon. Um, and I know this is where we'll go to church until He tells us differently. Mm -hmm. So. Um, but yeah, it's exciting. I, I will tell you the church of the Nazarene is, is not supportive in a way of saying, oh, you're a woman and you feel called right this way. We go through the same rigorous training as yeah. the guys do. And, um, you know, we all have to know our stuff and I think that's wonderful. I, you know, we're not getting a pass. I think that, and that's how it ought to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's, and, and I'm, I'm glad it's, it's equal and fair treatment. And, you know, the idea, the anticipation uh, of not changing, I, I think there's, I mean, as a testimony 
for the rest of the church. I mean, your, your faithfulness and your commitment um, ever since you accepted that call uh, is enough. Your, your actions have, have truly spoken much louder than anything that you could ever say. And, and one of the ways that I've gotten to know you and know your heart uh, is through my mother, because I know my mom and you partnered on a lot of things over the years and collaborated and um, had meetings and just shared ideas. And my mom has nothing bad to say about you at all. Now, knowing as close as that I am with my mom, respect my mom. I think, well, there must be somebody, uh, something towards this Pastor Tracy person. So when I got to a point where I started working with you, uh, we developed such a, a rapport together that I was comfortable knowing that if somebody came to me with an issue, uh, it's particularly a female, I know that I could just, uh, I could pass them on in confidence. And you have been instrumental in helping a, a few of the the women that I had the privilege of of being around in my young, the young adult group immersion for the last five years that I know you've been able to help many of them. And that, that is something that's so important because I know that this is, this is a greater topic that the culture is reminding the church of. And then therefore the church is reminding the church of that. Uh, the church has, has played uh, a pivotal role and, in, in, in hurting a lot of women over the years inadvertently. And, and sometimes it, it's like, you can't even, you can't even tell if it was a church or not by their actions. And, and you, even though that's not your primary role now is you're the group's pastor at Jackson Naz, but one of the, the gifts that you have is being able to connect with, with women who have been hurt, who have had um, multiple uh, wounds in their life, uh, whether it's been inside or outside the church. And you're able to reach into that pain, empathize, and then like actually give direction, not just go, Oh, well, yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, that, that stinks. Like, that's terrible. And then nothing. You're actually able to, to go on further. And I've actually witnessed that firsthand just through other testimony. And I, I guess the, one of the questions I, I want to ask is that what, where does that empathy come from? Where, where, how are you able to connect with people? Is it through uh, pains that you've gone through that God has then reworked and saying, okay, Tracy, like, you remember that, that one time, here's how this is going to help you in the future. And and I guess, so that's like one question. Then I guess a follow-up to that would be, how does the church, particularly with women, because I, I, it's more of an issue because I think we've, we've marginalized and not uplifted women in, in the biblical way that, you know, the Bible talks about women, but how do we as men also reach across that line? Because we have a role to play in it too. Right. That's a good question. I think uh, it, there's a couple of things. Um I love to learn. I, I want to grow. The Bible says that God heals. And I really take the Bible. I, I think I'm fairly simple in a lot of things. I take the Bible at the Bible. It says that, that God heals us, that he wants to heal us, that there is healing power in the blood of Jesus. There's, I could just go on and on. And so if that's available, um, it's not just physical healing. Um, but I think that's the thing we see the most, you know, we, we see someone else's physical ailment, but there are hidden ailments that people have that are emotional, that are spiritual, that are mental. And I believe God, um, he is a healing God and he can and will heal those things. Now, sometimes we don't see the evidence of that here, you know, some, maybe the healing is completed in heaven, but um, there's no reason not to try. There's no reason not to pray. There's no reason not to seek out resources, um, whether those are, are um, through medical professionals, um, through deeper counseling, through, through things, you know, resources and different things like that. And I just feel like there are so many things out there. People um, don't, don't have to suffer. And that, I don't mean to say like, that's a blanket. You should be healed by now because I do not mean that at all. It takes time. It takes work. Um, and like I said, we may not see the complete fruit of that healing, but I just know. So I, I know in my own life, um, God has healed me of things. Uh, some of them significant, some of them large, some of them just little boo-boos that he has healed me from. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I, you know, like I said, I test him, I take him at his word and he, he has never failed me. And, um, sometimes people just need somebody to hear them. Sometimes people just need someone to listen 
and to let them say their piece. And so often I think we, um, we talk and talk and talk and we don't have the person that we could be talking to. And that person can be Jesus, certainly. Sometimes that person is Jesus with skin on. And um, I've just, I've personally have had some pretty good successes with people um, because of my particular gifting, but also because sometimes people just need somebody to be in the valley with them. And I think that's, um, I think that's the call of a pastor but I also think that's the yeah. call of a Christian. And, um, you know, we are called to walk with people. The Bible goes on and on about things like that, about standing in the gap. I mean, that's a pretty specific thing. And that just means, you know, essentially you're praying for someone standing in the gap seems like also walking with someone. So, um, I think that's something we men and women can do. Um, sometimes it's as simple as saying, can I help you? Or how can I help you? And then let the person tell you. Um, there are, uh, there are sometimes, and I, I predominantly, you know, this, I predominantly meet with women. Um, I will meet with men occasionally and for brief amounts of time, you and I had, had to do a lot of scheduling things because I think it's important, um, for your integrity and mine that, um, we uh, always avoid the appearance of evil. And so a lot of times we were doing acrobatics to be, to meet at a time when there were other people in the office suite here at the church, or, um, or you were also meeting with pastor James, you know, so you were getting counsel from both of us and that kind of thing. Um, but I, I have a, a couple of friends that I've met with over the years that I, um, we laugh about it now, but I kept having to say, I really want to help you how can I help you? And, and, uh, some people have carried their hurt so long and maybe this is women, I don't know, but have carried this hurt or this, um, wrong thinking or incorrect belief about themselves, maybe about their value or lack thereof or, or whatever, um, that it's hard to accept help. Mm. And so sometimes I have to ask a few times, and um, I think it's always letting the spirit be your guide. And that, I, I know that can sound a little ethereal, like, no, I need to know what are the steps? Um, the steps are being a good friend. The steps are saying, um, you know, if, if you're a man and you feel like um, there's a woman in your life that you should reach out to, you probably need to be cautious because you don't want to be necessarily misinterpreted either um, or cause more pain, but it's okay to say the truth. And if the truth is, I see that you seem to be hurting. Is there anything I can do? And then listen and see what happens. Um, I, I, think, I think it's hard for us to do that. I think we want to fill that space. Um, yeah, that's, and, and it's you, hard like, for what? the wounded person, the hurt person to respond. Yeah, I, I can understand from the wounded perspective uh, standpoint, I guess, but you're just saying it's hard for us. Why do you think it is hard for us to be able to take that step and reach out? Uh, that is a, I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> um, because we don't want to look like a fool. We, we don't want to... Um, we all want to sit at the cool kids table in the lunchroom. Um, right. And, and it's, if I look like an idiot, if I look like a fool, if I stumble and fall publicly and I, you know, I might, I might not tear a hole in my jeans, but I, I fell down publicly. Um, I might be embarrassed. I might reach out and have someone say, uh, something hurtful back to me. Like, why are you get away from me? Or you, I don't want to talk to you or you can't help me or you're fill in the blank. But um, somewhere early on, I, um, so this is, so, so we didn't talk about this, but one of my volunteer ministries is playing in the, in the band as a yes. musician. So you know this, but um the, the people listening don't know this. So I play the drums. I'm self-taught. I always wanted to play. Um, 
and uh, happened to be in a band playing another instrument and talked with a drummer and said, just show me, I'm sure I can't do what you're doing, but just show me. Cause I've always, I've wanted to play the drums since I was a little kid. When the, when the marching band goes by, I get a little weepy when the drums go by. It's so weird. Anyway, you didn't need to know that. <laughs> so, so anyway, I learned, to, I, uh, I learned to play the drums being self-taught for a long time. Eventually I did take lessons, but I, I played, turns out I did know what I was doing and I could figure it out. And there was a latent ability to play a natural talent to play that I played for a long time um, without refining that at all. Um, so God took that passion and he actually, he gave me the desires of my heart, just like scripture says, it's crazy. Um, but I would be embarrassed for a flub, you know, making a mistake in a song or losing the tempo or, you know, it's kind of important. Some of the things drummers do and somewhere along the line, and I don't know if this was a Holy spirit thing. I, I thought it up myself and God affirmed it or whatever, but, um, if I'm going to be a fool, at least I'm a fool for Jesus. If I fall down on the ground or if I get embarrassed, I'm embarrassed for Jesus. And it's probably not that bad. Um, it, you know, it, it's, it really is. It takes me out of the equation. Um, it gets, it keeps me from being, cause if I'm focused on myself, I'll be so tense. I will mess up. Um, and that can be, in music that can be in life. If I, if I'm worried about what I look like, um, which is really hard because on zoom, you know, you can fix your hair all day long. Um, <laughs> right. That's why I've always been told I have it, a face for radio. <laughs> you know, <laughs> nice. Oh, I wish I had my drums now. That was great. I yeah. should have given you a rim shot for that. <laughs> um, but, but seriously, you know, if I'm worried about me and how I look, um, physically or otherwise, how I come off, what I sound like, if I'm focused on that, I, I'm not going to ask. I'm not going to put myself out there. And I'm not saying it's easy. Um, I, I present a little more extroverted, but I am definitely on the introverted side. Um, that, that takes some energy for me. And um, it allows me to an opportunity to continue to get closer and closer with, with God and, um, always, you know, do I need to talk to this person, uh, bring my attention to things? Um, you know, after 30 years of walking with him, I should be better at it. And so, you know, that's, that's another tip, I guess, is just keep walking with the Lord. Don't stop. Mm -hmm. Don't give up. Um, he'll tell you, he will tell you if you say, please tell me what to do you will know. Um, <laughs> it's a little risky, not going to lie. Uh, but yeah, if I'm going to be a fool, at least I'm a fool for Jesus. And that, that I'll tell you what, that takes care of so many worries. Um, yeah, because I, you know, and, and honestly in a setting of Christians, what's the worst that's going to happen? Sure. They're not going to throw sure. me to the lions. Um, you know, it's, I, there, there, read the old Testament. It's not going to be that bad. <laughs> you know, that you bring up a great, something that I have, I've had to realize, and it's been a connecting theme in my life that when I was in sports in high school, I, I look back now, I didn't like it. I, I really didn't have fun. Even though I was, I was decently talented, did a lot. I, I, in playing basketball, never wanted the ball in my hands, but yet for a couple of years, I was the, best player on my team. And you know, I was, you know, I was a leading scorer and I hated it. Um, and I was the best runner at, at Western for long distance uh, when I was of age and I didn't look forward to cross country. I didn't look forward to track when I got to college and I was part of the preaching ambassador program at Olivet Nazarene university. When we'd have opportunity to go and preach a few times a semester, I dreaded it. You know, if I was preaching that Sunday, that Monday before six days, I'm in, I'm in language or biology class and I'm just sweating bullets because I'm like, oh, I got to preach and my whole weekend's ruined because I got to go preach. Even though I liked it, I, I was so self-absorbed. I was so focusing on like my team. Don't they know how important I am? And if I mess up, if I mess up here, if I miss that shot, because God forbid anybody else misses a shot on a basketball game or if I don't run my best, or if I don't preach the best sermon, like, because those people came here to see me, 
don't they know how important of a message I have to preach is? And what I've realized is that once I stepped away from a lot of that, um, because there was a, there was a time period between leaving Olivet and then accepting this pastoral call I have now adds to exactly what you're saying, because I no longer get nervous. Um, and the reason why I had to slowly realize, and I'll put it in a little bit more bluntly from what you're putting it is that I'm really not that important. Um, Jesus is the one who qualifies me. If we're serving in ministry. I literally have nothing to offer. And there's a lot of peace in that because it doesn't have to do with me at all. doesn't mean we don't put forth effort. doesn't mean we don't pray. doesn't mean that we don't have a strive for excellence by any means, but it's a it kind of like this, you said, this peace process of realizing that there is nothing that I in my worldly body, worldly understanding that I'm going to do that's going to influence or going to affect people. A prime example would be the Memorial Day Parade in North Adams uh, that we had this past weekend. Or, well, I guess by the time you're really, uh, listening to this, everybody, it would be Memorial Day weekend. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, the mayor and the pastors in town got together to plan this little cemetery service. And they had me, they volunteered me to preach. And I'm like, uh, nice. what? Why? Why? <laughs> and, uh, and I had somebody come up to me before who is not necessarily a religious person says, now, listen, if I'm going to listen to somebody preach, it's going to be, uh, listening to somebody who's much prettier than you. Um, and that, you know, that was really funny. Um, and pretty blunt. Uh, and he says, cause we, no one came here to listen to you. Uh, and he said something that I will not say on the podcast, but he said, basically listen to you blab. And I, and that was like, yeah, yeah, I know that. Yeah. Like that. There's a lot of peace in knowing that I, there's nothing I'm going to say here. And I think it speaks to the fact that we sometimes have that temptation of feeling we're so important. We have so much to offer when all a person maybe wants is somebody to listen. It has literally nothing to do with you. It's the fact that you are willing to listen and not say anything or do anything because they might not have that person in their life. Right. Absolutely. I think uh, it's funny because I've, those those interactions, you would think those would be terrible, but they're kind of funny. Oh, they're hilarious. Um, because you know that person that, what's that? Oh, they're, they're hilarious. Would you um, say? They're, they're, yeah, they're downright because, funny because it's, I mean, they're just saying something that's truthful. Ultimately. Right. And, 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 and who knows what their goal is? I mean, maybe it's to offend, I don't know, but um, or maybe it's to keep you at arm's length or, or put you in your place or whatever. But um, I have had some of the best conversations, particularly at funerals. And they're very similar. Like, I don't tell them that I'm the pastor, I'm the officiant. And it shows up in a little card and they, they make the connection when I stand up to go talk. But I've been talking to people at the, um, at the visitation or prior to a memorial service for a while and nobody really knows. And then all of a sudden I get up to speak and they go, I was talking to the pastor. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's okay. Don't worry about it. But it's, it makes you relatable too. When you don't get upset about stuff like that. Um, when, when you don't take the bait, um, it's good for people. And, and who knows what they've been through or who, what their experience has been or what they've been taught or, you know, we can't know all of that. All we know is the interaction we're having right now. And what I said at the beginning, you know, Andy Stanley said it, I'll give him credit a couple more times and I'm going to make it my own probably. Uh, <laughs> but he said, what does love require of me? Yeah. Yes. What does love require of me? Well, love honestly requires everything. And I'm trying my best to not come up short to everything, no matter what that looks like. Hmm. And I don't know what that will look like to, for, for my life, um, but it's worked out pretty good. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, uh, my Christian walk has not been a breeze, but it has been amazing. It, it has, I've, I, I can't tell you how wonderful it is in the midst of the valleys I've been through. And I've been through some. Um, my life has not been perfect, but so far love has required everything. And I have somehow figured out to the best of my ability to give that more often than not. Mm -hmm. And hopefully I'll keep getting better at that. Yeah. Well, if that attitude continues, it absolutely will. 
Um, and you're, there's a reason why I, like I said, I've, I wanted, wanted you to be on this show. And I, I think uh, people will, will end up relating to, to that desire. So I, I am, I'm so, so grateful that uh, you were able to set um, aside some time in order to answer some of these, these questions, these, these things that I know uniquely um, you have a perspective on that I think deserves to, to be, to be shared. And, and thank you for that, for your parting wisdom here um, as we close, Pastor Tracy, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Michael. Of course. Sorry. Pastor Michael. Oh, no, I don't. <laughs> the, the running joke, the running joke between Pastor Tracy and I, I, I heard my nickname to her is PT. I call her Pastor Tracy PT. It's pretty easy to figure out there. But she, ever since I started leading this group uh, of young adults, which I, I've now moved on from, she kept calling me Pastor Michael, and I hated it. I absolutely hated that, that title. And I, and she kept, she kept putting these, these little bit of seeds of like, yeah, it's like, well, what you're doing, you're, you're shepherding these people, you're pastoring. And I said, no, I'm not, no, I'm not. And she never stopped calling me that. Well, now she can <laughs> actually call me that and it's applicable and I just have to eat it. <laughs> right. There you go. Sorry about that. <laughs> uh, yes. Affirmation well, of the body yeah. though. That's what it is. <laughs> coming, totally coming full circle. Um, but thank you, friend. I'm, I'm so grateful for you and my prayers are with you and your ministry. And I'm so grateful uh, for your sacrifice and your service for this many years and for that many more years to come. Thank you. And you are a gift, my friend. Uh, I'm so excited that you have a church that is, uh, that is enjoying the gift that you are. So I'm very excited. Well, the, you've had a role to play in that. And I think that's what makes it all, all like, very, very exciting looking back. I think from what you said, looking, you know, being able to tell your story, looking back um, and seeing how God planted these seeds and, and you saw that desire now coming to fruition in what you're doing. I see the same thing and look what God has done in your life and how your ministry and your, your craftsmanship and how God's used you has, has gone far beyond the walls of Jackson is. I think that's probably, in my opinion, the coolest part. That's like, that's just serving Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. That's how it goes. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, until next time, I are so appreciate it. We're going to have to have you back on. But uh, until then, Pastor Tracy, PT, I hope you have an amazing night, okay? Absolutely, PM. We'll see you soon. <laughs> Thank you so much again to Pastor Tracy and for her time, commitment, and sacrifice for the sake of the ministry. She played an integral part in my young adult group in the last five years. And through that mentorship, she has been able to become a co-heir in the pastorate, along with myself, as I've been called into pastoral ministry. And there's not one thing that I cannot take from all our conversations. I have taken it all into my call at my church. So she is continuing to have an impact far beyond the walls of Jackson Ass Church. So thank you, Pastor Tracy, for your time. I know that a lot of the women in particular will have taken a lot from this conversation and your time. So thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this podcast. And as always, may God bless you and may God keep you.